Let me share the verse that I'm going to launch off of. It's Psalm 126, 2 through 3, and this is what it says. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. This is what I want to talk with you today about, about the great things that God has done and is doing in your life and the victory that that is supposed to represent for you and for me. And so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just beyond blessed to be a part of this community. I'm beyond blessed to be a part of your story. And so today I want to pray to, to open up this portion because I really feel like there's people in here, you've heard a victory talk before, and I don't think this is going to be the one you thought it was because I was going to preach a really good sermon and then God changed it to this one today. <laughs> but it, it impacted me and it impacted our, our earlier services. And I think, uh, I think it's supposed to impact you. So let me pray for us today that we just come to that place we leave all the distractions beside, all the stuff, all the preconceptions, all the things, Lord, we think we know. We ask, God, that in this room there would just be a sense of your presence, that you would meet us right where we are. We're all dealing with different things. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different questions. We all see things from a different perspective. And because of that, really, truly, it is only the Holy Spirit alive and well working through the hearts of his children and scripture that can make known to us how we should respond to what it is you're already doing. Thank you for being a God of great things. Thank you for being a God of victory. Thank you for allowing us to sit in a place to know you more, to bring, to bring intimacy into our lives through your presence. We just rest now, God, to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's, there's two big victory principles that I was taught, uh, that I was supposed to teach. So I was taught them, and this, these are the ones I was supposed to teach. And I think they're profound, and I think they're really important. And Paul is the one describing them, and he's doing it to describe the possibilities of what it means to be a Christian of victory. 1 Corinthians 15 is my favorite verse that encompasses both of these principles. You can find them all throughout Scripture, but this one is the clearest to me. It says this, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we as Christians... We are often taught and brought to the Lord through this idea that we're not made to die, that we are built to be eternal. This is why death is so unfitting and why it brings so much uh, discomfort. It's because it's, it's this thing that we're not built to experience, yet we do, all of us, because of the fall. And so this verse is used oftentimes to teach these great principles of victory, that if you accept Christ in your life, you will face victory in the afterlife. You will get to spend time in heaven, and this great sting of death in your world will, of course, be muted because when you go into the great unknown, the one who is the most known will be there to meet you. It's beautiful, and it's important, and it's well leveraged all throughout Scripture and from many pulpits, including this one. There's two primary principles here that are important for us to see. The first one is first, he says, who gives us the victory? He says, who gives us the victory when he says this in the verse? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says that God is the one who gives victory 
through Jesus Christ. And so we, of course, accept Christ into our lives, therefore claiming the victory that God gave, therefore knowing that for all eternity we are saved and we are set aside and anointed. That's who gives us the victory. The second thing that you need to pick out of this is Paul telling us when victory is possible. When victory is possible. He says, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. In other words, when death is swallowed up by the resurrection life of Christ in us, then we have his victory. Okay, so now we know who gives the victory God does through Jesus, and we know when the victory is possible, when Jesus Christ, uh, who paid for our sins, who died on a cross, assumes our great debt. Ultimately, that debt comes to be paid when we, of course, die and are standing before God, and he sees Jesus instead of us, and so our judgment is made clear, and so we get to live for all eternity in heaven. I've preached this sermon so many times. I could have preached it without any notes whatsoever. The problem is, once, once I was done with the sermon, I sat there in, my, in my, my place of study, and I thought, why then, if this is so commonly taught, why then, if I know exactly what to teach, if I want to teach on victory, why then am I so uncomfortable about it? And so I started thinking about the last three weeks of celebration. I started thinking about the emails I've received over the last three weeks around celebration, around the pain that often people feel when they try to celebrate, around the, around the guilt they feel when they celebrate and yet have others don't get to celebrate, or maybe they made poor decisions and they just can't get to a place of celebration. My point is, I could have taught this sermon based on the biblical principles I just taught, who gave it, and uh, when we can have it, once we've accepted Christ and therefore in heaven. The problem is, I don't actually live it. As a matter of fact, I don't think many of us in, in this room live it. And so here I had this really great sermon. It was so good. It was so tight. It was going to be really clean. I had some super cool elements. I was going to talk to you about the victory of Jesus, make you feel good inside. And yet I realized as I was writing it, I don't feel good inside. I, I want to confess. I don't live a majority of my life from a victorious place. See, let me clarify my eternity is all buttoned up. Be clear. Okay, I know exactly where I'm going when I die. I know exactly what future is before me. As a matter of fact, because I know where I'm going, I'm a pretty dangerous person. I take risks other people take. I say things other people don't say. I live a bold Christian life. I mean, I'm on stage. I'm talking about Jesus. I do it a lot. And yet this same voice on the same stage is telling you, I don't live victory every single day over every single circumstance in my life. And I am convicted and bothered by that. And so I took a step back from my incredible sermon that I wrote. It's going to be awesome. And I set it down for two days. And I said, all right, I know where I'm going. I believe in these verses. Death, where is your sting? I've stood boldly. I've, I've, I've built boldly. I've risked greatly. I've done a lot of great things for the kingdom. But most of you who've spent any time with me know where this has come from. See, one thing that I learned early on being a sick kid, being a kid in and out of hospitals, was to obey what those in authority told you to do. For me, as a Dornbecker kid with cancer, if the doctor said, do this, don't do that, that was life and death in my world. So I learned really quick to obey 
to follow the rules and to guide. And when I fell in love with Jesus, there's a whole bunch of ways in which he calls us to live. One of those is to live without the fear of death. One of those is to live for eternity. And so I have obeyed myself right before you today. Those of you who've spent any time with me know I'm, I'm really good at this. I can out-obey just about anybody. <laughs> I, it's just a weird thing. I have a flip that switches, and I say, uh, or a switch that flips. It doesn't matter what it is. What did you sign? We'll go with whatever you sign. Did you do switch or flip? Or flip or switch? Okay. You're not even going to help me out here at all, are you? You're we're going to flip the switch is what we're going to do. Can we just turn the lights off on her, please? We don't, need, we don't need that kind of support up here. When it comes to doing what God's asked me to do multiple times in my life, in my marriage, with my children, if it has to do with obedience, for some reason it's my language. And so I have obeyed. But what I've realized about obedience is the thing that makes obedience obedience is that you don't want to do it. My daughter's never obeyed me once saying, I feel like I need to go spend the night at my friend's house and hang out with her, and I'm just going to be obedient to that. Like, she wants to do these things. The things you want to do, the things that bring you joy or passion or hope, those things, I don't think you get to, to, to lift those up as, as examples of obedience. Obedience comes when God says, plant a church, and you're like, I don't want to plant a church. Obedience comes when God says, reach that person, say this thing, do that thing. Those things, for some reason, I've been good at, but what I've realized throughout my whole ministry this weekend is that I have not lived from a victorious place as much as I've lived from an obedient place. And so when I read this verse and I started thinking about my future, I was like, this is, everybody knows this. Everybody knows that you're supposed to live victorious, that your eternity's on the line and that everybody's eternity's on the line. And this is why you have to bring your friends. And even if you don't want to invite them, you need to be obedient and invite them so that they can experience the same eternal victory that you once did. Although you and I and even our newest converts eventually fall into the same pattern, I think I'm being exposed to sharing about today, and that is we don't live in victory. We just aim for victory. We believe in victory. We worship victory. We hold victory high. But we don't actually embody it. Or at least I don't, or I haven't. See, the principles of who brings the victory is Jesus through God, the ultimate bringer. And the principles of when, when we put off the corruptible versus the incorruptible, are not meant to be only eternal. They're meant to be now as well. My question today is this, and I'll put it on the screen. How does victory through Jesus Christ become something we can actually experience? Not just something we preach about, talk about, sing about, have bumper stickers about, have calendars about. Memorize verses about how does it actually become something that we experience in our day-to-day -day lives? And the answer is the same as it always has been, but maybe just from a little different perspective. The answer is Jesus Christ must get victory over us. Now, you might see this and say, well, Danny, I'm already a Christian. Jesus has victory over me. Does he? He has victory over your eternity. He has victory over your sins. He has victory over... Everything you've given him victory over, everything you've asked. But does Jesus Christ have victory over your day-to-day -day life, your day-to-day -day situations? We know that if we are in Christ, we potentially have all the victory that he has won. 
Meaning, it is only when Jesus becomes your Lord in every single situation that you begin to live out victory in that situation. Thus, if you want to find the life in Christ you're missing, you must lose the life in Danny you're holding so dear. See, I have given my soul to Jesus. I just haven't given traffic to Jesus. I've given my soul to Jesus. I think in some areas I haven't given my marriage to Jesus. I've given my soul to Jesus, but sometimes my kids make decisions that just drive me crazy, and I'm not sure I've given them to Jesus. I've given my soul to Jesus, but I'm not sure the day-to-day operations of a church this size have I given to Jesus. If I was really honest, I live with a lot of worry. I live with a lot of stress. I live with a lot of Danny in control. And so when I preach a victory sermon, of course I point to eternity because I believe in it, and I obey it, but I'm not sure I actually am it. I'm not sure I'm actually victorious, which is what scripture says we're supposed to be. Believing in victory and being victorious are not the same things. Believing in victory and being victorious are not the same things. No wonder we walk around depressed all the time saying, you know, recently I was having a rough day and someone said God is good. And without missing a beat, perfectly pastoral, I said, all the time. And part of me was like, gross. Like, what? where did that come from? It was like she popped a quarter in a machine. And I just went bloop all the time. And I was like, I didn't think about it. I definitely didn't mean it. I just recited it. So much of my life is that way. I'm not actually victorious in much. I believe in victory and I obey the commands. And it makes me <laughs> confused. Because I want to feel what I'm preaching. I want to feel what I'm reading. I want to feel the Spirit of God overcoming things in my life. And yet there's so many things in my life that are overcoming me. You and I are called to live victorious through Jesus Christ by God. But you have to relinquish control. I have to relinquish control of everything I am by faith and fall into his hands. In short... You cannot be Lord of anything. You cannot have authority over anything until Jesus has authority as Lord over you. Now, he has authority over my future. He has authority over my soul. But there are areas in my life, if I'm honest, I've held too close. It is only then, if I have died that death, that I will be able to live in his victory because he first had victory over it. It is only when we recognize that Jesus inside us is overcoming everything about us that we then get to live in victory every day of who we are. It's amazing that so many people still teach victory in Christ almost as a thing God hands you. You get saved, here's your victory. But the reality is scripture is incredibly clear about this battle, about this struggle, about temptation, about trial, about all these things. I don't understand if I was given victory at camp when I accepted Christ, why am I still dealing with these issues? Why am I still struggling with this perspective? Why wasn't it just you win and now you're a winner? But instead I win and still live like a loser while going to church singing songs of great championships only going home to be broken by stuff that isn't even that big a deal. 
Maybe it's because nobody actually talks about the reality that God wants to be victorious, not just over your future, not just over your eternity. He wants to be victorious over the things you hold in your hands and the things that mean the most to you. You! (laughs) He wants to be victorious over you. He wants to be intimate. He wants to be connected. He wants to be more, my friends, than he is today. To experience this kind of victory, you have to, listen to this quote, you have to put aside completely your will, your way, and your life, and sell out completely to the will of God for his glory. See, that, that's a brutal perspective. This is something much more um, realistic because this is something much more complicated. See, when you want to talk about victory, what you need to talk about is the things in your life that you are holding on to, the things in my life that I am caring for, the things in my life that keep me from letting go and just diving into where God is. It is only in this way that Jesus can become my personal Lord on every level of my inward and outward life. Jesus Christ, what's the statement? Jesus Christ wants to be your personal Lord and Savior. He doesn't want to be your community Lord and Savior. He doesn't want to be your heavenly Lord and Savior. He wants to be your personal Lord and Savior, which means, friends, this sermon's pretty personal because it's digging It's offensive. It's convicting. Because Jesus wants victory over the things you've been claiming as yours. This is fundamental to my reigning and ruling with him. If I want to reign and rule with Jesus now, which is what the Bible says I'm supposed to be doing once I accept him into my life, then he has to reign and rule now. We're not going to be in heaven and have these spaces in heaven that, that, that Jesus doesn't rule. Every piece of heaven Jesus rules. It is only because there are pieces of us here on earth that are missed by his ruling, not because he doesn't want it, but because I haven't given it over. And our God's a gentleman. He'll follow you, and he'll woo you, and he'll love you, but he's not going to rip anything from your hands. And so you hold on to these hands dressed in white, and they're decaying, and they're rotting, whatever these things are. And you're like, my life just doesn't smell like I thought it would. And God's like, can I have that? I mean, look how beautiful I am. Look how talented I am. I've obeyed everything you've asked me to do, but something's broken. Can I... Can I have that? I don't understand you, God. I accepted you. I believed in you. You said I'd be made new. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Can I have that? This is the place that I was. This is the place that I am. This is fundamental. And yet never really taught I think because it doesn't preach well. (laughs) It doesn't sell well. He wants to go to church where a guy's like, hey, I know you accepted Christ, but there's more. You can accept Christ. You can be assured of your salvation. You can obey. You can perform. You can even become a pastor. And you can still have some decay inside your life that you haven't given over to God. Therefore, not living victorious daily. Therefore, actually not fulfilling your full restoration here on earth. Thanks for coming. 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We experience victory through handing over everything in this world to Jesus who overcame the world. We've never overcome anything. We're not lords of anything. So why would we think that we're going to be able to have victory over something that only Christ who died on a cross could overcome? We experience victory in the world. This is what Kessa does, scripture and spirit. You feel the spirit, I'll read the scripture. Victory in the world is overcome by God who has overcome the world. I want to overcome. I want to be more than I am. But the only way I can do that is to be under him so that I can be over what he's over. If I want to be over things in my life that are decayed, I have to be under Jesus, not fight to be over the things. This is what Satan, this is what this world's spinning into your life. If you can be more, have more, acquire more, be believed in, be a leader, be accomplished, none of those things take away the decay of your life or mine. It is only Jesus Christ who is over those things who teaches the humility and the love and the overcoming spirit of his presence that then puts you over those things because you are under him. Romans 8, because I'll back it all up, people. No, starts off right away. Stop thinking it. No, in all these things that we just talked about, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, he lists it all, nor things present, stuff, nor things to come, worry, nor powers, the inconceivable, nor height, great success, nor depth, great failure, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, because God gave the victory through Christ Jesus that we're being offered, and so because he's over us, we can be over it all. But there are areas in your life that you've not let God be over, and because of that, there are areas in your life that you're in charge of, and you are, you're terrible at it. Like, you are so bad, because you're not built to do it, and that's why you're carrying these things that don't belong to you, and you're worried, and you're stressed, and you don't sleep, and you've gotta manage the way people see things because, well, you're the center of all. And God's like, I'm supposed to be the center of all because I am awesome at managing it. But I have to be the center of everything, not just your eternity. I have to be a center of your failure. I have to be the center of your success. I have to be the center of, of your present. I have to be the center of your future. I have to be center of when you're powerful and when you're weak. I want every ounce of you. I am the God that you've been waiting for. But you've got to set down the God you are. And that's just a bummer realization to realize when you're trying to build a message. Do you know what I mean? And yet, I'll be honest. It doesn't really matter what you think. Because God's over you. And I'm under him. And he's overcome your negative thoughts anyhow. It doesn't really matter what happens from here on out. It doesn't really matter if I appear weaker than I should. It doesn't matter if this whole thing works or falls apart. None of it really matters more than Jesus Christ. And he's over all of it. And I'm under him and so I can live freely. As of Friday when I emailed the sermon, I slept soundly all week. No problems here. Because I realize these areas in my life have been overcome. And I want to experience, like the verse said, the victories of Christ in my life. 
I want to live as the verse said, not as Danny's preaching. I want to live as more than a conqueror. I want to be more than a conqueror. Think about it. I told you at the beginning of the sermon, if you came to Christ, people told you there's victory in your life. You're going to be in heaven. But I want to live more than that. I want to live more than just conquering death. I want to live my faith out every single day, victorious over situation after situation, knowing that Jesus is over every ounce of who I am. He's over every part of my story. And yes, I'll struggle and yes, I'll fail, but he's over my struggles and my failures. Do you know my bigger concern recently has been this church and it growing too fast and being too successful. I've seen that eat people up, better people than me. And so I'm like, ah, let's keep it small. Let's get some people to leave. <laughs> I've told you all, I don't have parking spots for all of you. I've said this. I've been very honest. And people are like, you've got to stop saying that. Nobody's leaving. Like, we will carpool before we leave. And my point is that I, I, I don't want to sabotage what God's doing. I want to have freedom that wherever God blesses and whatever he does with our little church in this little city, that he's the one who says, I got it. No matter the success no matter the failure, no matter the height nor the depth, Danny, you've done more. We've done more. God has offered more than just living a life knowing our eternity is conquered, that death is conquered, and the sting is no more. It says we can live as more than that. We can be humble. We can be transformed. We can be apologetic. We can own our stuff, even if it's not our stuff. Have you ever owned stuff, and it's really not your stuff? But, but you're like, maybe some of it's my stuff. I feel recently like God has brought up more stuff in my life for me to own than I didn't even know I had. And I feel like the more I'm deciding to clean out the closets of my heart and give God victory, the more closets I realize I've got. It's terrible. Like I rented a trailer and I need a U-Haul. Like this is not good. But the beauty of it is that God is the one doing all the cleaning. God is the one doing all the restoring. God is the one at the pace and he's moving it in such a way that whatever he does here, big or small, whatever he's doing here, we're just going to keep giving him the glory and proclaiming not just victory eternal, which is so valuable and important, but claiming victory in the now. And in that way, we get to live free. And in that way, we can be people who are conquered by Jesus Christ. People who are conquered by his mission. People who are conquered by his story. People who are conquered by his love. People are, who are forgiven, who can take punches, who can get knocked down, who can get back up, who can be a part of a church that is doing something without being wooed by the church that's doing something because their love for God is so big because he is so great and he is so good. And he uses people like me to do stuff like this. And he uses people like you to do stuff like this. And it's incredible that we even get to be a part of it. And I think in that way, we can experience the victory of Jesus Christ every single day of our lives. It is only in this way that I can have eternal, incorruptible victory that swallows up death and the power of the enemy. It is only in this way that I can have every day quiet, subtle victory that swallows up worry and the concern for a future that's unknown. It's all a matter of my believing, my yielding, and my obeying the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ and all 
that he wants to do. About six weeks ago in our church, uh, we started heavily searching uh, for more people to add to this team. And you may not know this, but I'm pretty careful uh, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to announcing things to you guys. And so I didn't really know how this whole uh, hiring for a new youth pastor was going to go because we have a lot going on right now. And Danny, if he was honest, wants to control it hopefully to keep it safe and from sliding off the edge. And the last thing I want to do is mess up this momentum of God and this provision of God and all these good things God's doing. And so when Pastor Tom said, hey, you know, we're shooting for a September goal for this hire, I wasn't as excited as I hoped I was because I think that uh, this is a really special community and, and maybe somewhere down deep inside, I think I know what's best for this community. And Tom's like, well, it's time. And I'm like, I'll think about it. And Tom's like, no, it's time. We're going to, this is, this is important. And so we put out this huge call across the nation for pastors of student ministry. And I was like, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to hire somebody I know, somebody I can trust, somebody related to me. I don't know, something. I want to make sure it stays really close. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you know, I mean, my mom could run a mean youth ministry. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So we did this thing, and there's this one guy that just stood out almost from the top, almost from the beginning, went right to the top. And uh, we started the interview process with him about a month ago. And right from the beginning, I was like, oh, crap, I really like him. <laughs> and I just sort of fell in love with him and his family, his wife. And, and I was like, this is, this is pretty awesome. I wonder if he'll accept the job. I wonder, I mean, there's a lot to that. To, to come to a church this size. And about a week ago, him and his wife, after lots of prayer, and we as a team, after lots of prayer, came to a place where we were able to hire him as our new, they wanted me to say this exact title, so let me say it exactly, Pastor of Youth Ministry and Life Development. That's a big title, right? I said it wrong last service and I got, I got in trouble. Pastor of Youth Ministry and Life Development. And, and what I want to show you, because this is important, I want to show you what God's victory looks like when he does the work, when he uh, puts forth the effort, when we surrender, and Pastor Tom's so much better at this than me, when we surrender to his will, to his way, to his, just, we just engage in the process. I worry about things I'm not supposed to worry about. I think about things I'm not supposed to think about. That's what this sermon is about, and it's convicted me that, it, that, that I have victory over these big things, but it's over little things like hiring. I've got, I got to be involved in, and I, I got to know what's going on, and I'm starting to see that when I just release things to God, and I hope you're starting to see, I don't know your situation, I don't know your circumstance, but there's no way I could find what I'm about to show you on this screen. No way. God is the one who brings the victory. He's the one who says, I already know. I've been growing somebody for this church for years. I've been pre preparing somebody for this church for years. And you're in my way, Danny. Just sit down and be quiet. I brought you Tom. Do what he says. And I said, but God, Tom says no all the time. <laughs> and God's like, that's exactly right. Listen to his words. But when this came back, Tom said yes, and God said yes, and Danny said yes, and the whole church family that has met him so far has said yes. And so um, he's not here today. He is announcing this transition with his church. He's going to start with us in a few weeks. But I want to introduce you uh, on video to our, uh, 
our new pastor of youth ministry and life development, Charles Tellis. Hi, my name is Charles Tellis. Uh, I am 30 years old. I am five foot eight and a half, and half of a, a half of a half. Yeah, about five foot eight. <laughs> I am married to the beautiful Ashley A S H L E I Tellis. Yeah, I like her spelling of her name. That's why I had to spell it out for you guys. Um, I am currently the youth director over at Emmanuel Church. Um, I'm the youth director for two campuses, our central location and our east location. Um, I really do believe that God has called me to youth ministry. Uh, first is because of my life experiences growing up. Um, I really do believe that the things that I've encountered growing up has allowed me to be relatable has allowed me to have the understanding and the um, knowledge of what's happening in, in our society today that our youth and young adults experience on a daily basis. Um, second thing is, is that I'm really um, patient and understanding. And I, one thing I've learned is that you have to be extremely patient with uh, youth and young adults nowadays. Um, and but this, with that being said, patience, you have to be passionate as well because your passion will counteract the patience that you have to have with them. And um, last but not least, but most definitely the most important thing is that I'm extremely passionate about growing authentic, sold out, on fire, unashamed, unafraid, young leaders for Jesus. and. I'm really passionate about, that, about seeing them being strong leaders because we know that we have to grow our youth today and now so that they will be able to be strong in the future. One of the main issues is, is that we pray and ask God to free us from these conditions and we pray and ask God to free us from these situations, but we don't know how to praise him in the midst of it. All oh, the Spirit of the Lord is sitting here telling me, it's like, I'm going to free you but you have to prove to me that you're able to walk when I free you. And before I allow you access to the opposite end of the gates, you need to start being thankful. You need to start praising me because the people that saw you broken in your condition and that saw you lame will stand at an amazement at what I did. This lame man allowed things to carry him. He didn't carry the situation. The Bible says that he was carried to the Kemple Gate every day. You cannot allow things to carry you that was not meant to free you. Relationships carrying you. Dysfunction carrying you. And it doesn't even have the power to free you. Charles and Ashley will be here in a few weeks. We're going to put together some uh, parent-student meetings, and uh, we'll probably end up doing a whole service where we can come and meet them, and uh, it's going to be really exciting. I started off with a verse. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Will you stand with me? Let's pray and then just...
spend some time reflecting upon the great things the Lord has done. God, the things you're showing us, the things you're making known to us. Lord, we receive your conviction. We receive all that you are making clear within our lives, God. The things that we have leveraged for our own kingdom. Lord, we celebrate that you have overcome and that because, Lord, we can come under you, we can live as more than conquerors over anything in our life. God, I want to be more than a conqueror. I want to be more than just someone who lives focused upon eternity. I want to be transformed today within my marriage, within my story, within this church that I'm a part of. I want to be full inside God, complete and whole in harmony with you and what it is you're doing. And so God, I thank you for this church you're leading, for this team you're building, for the people you've brought here today. You know, Lord, what's next. May we never stop giving day-to-day victories to you. May we never stop giving minute-by-minute victories to you. May we live, Lord, proclaiming your greatness, for you are our great Lord. We praise you, Father, from this place and all of God's people said, amen. Let's lift our voices and sing to him.
And all the earth will shout your 